Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. Now, this is episode number 550. Tonight, we've got a jam-packed show for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, you'll notice that I've got three Raspberry Pis in front of me. One of them is a Raspberry Pi 2, a Raspberry Pi 3, and a Raspberry Pi 3B+. We're going to be connecting them all. You're going to see them on the screen. We're going to put them head-to-head in a death match. Which one's better? Which one's going to do things faster? And we're going to answer the age-old question from about two weeks ago. <laughs> is it really worth upgrading to a Raspberry Pi 3B+. Plus. Beyond that, we're going to take a look at a really cool 4.3-inch screen that is a 600 times magnification microscope that records to SD cards in 1080p. So cool. We're going to show you that and tell you how much it is. You're going to be blown away in just a few minutes' time. Don't go anywhere. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Jeff. Hey. We missed you last week. I know. I'm sorry. Work kept me away. Work kept him away. Where are your priorities, sir? Uh, With the paycheck and paying the bills. There you have it, folks. In a nutshell. And how are you? I am super fantastic. I feel... Sasha Rickman, by the way. Feel free. You still have your tan. I'm jealous. I know. I mean, I don't know that it's you're jealous. Really, I know that I it's saw my... It's really tough when you got a, a, a bald nerd over here yeah. and a redhead over here. ginger over here. Yeah. And Little and Miss, I was like super tanned. I, yeah, here. I have faded. Just but, try to get the levels right on the cameras, Right. Yeah. Saying just that to people just makes them mad. They're like, you're so tanned. I'm like, I'm... Oh, it's just me. It's just me. It's just, I was born this way. You know, you're like my <laughs> wife, though. In February, she'd be like, I think I still have some of my summer tan. I'm like, shh, shh. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I go for... We just kind of burn. Listen. I go from white to red to white. I'm like the reverse to peeling. flag. To peeling. Yes. This is like my <laughs> only superpower is being able to hold a tan. I'm sure you have other things. I can... Nice. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I, my All superpower is third degree sunburns. <laughs> it's happened. You're like the, you're, you are Burning Man. I am Burning Man. That's right. <laughs> hey, listen, we've got uh, Cat 5 shirts still available for you, folks. We're just going to keep this thing going as long yeah. as people are still buying them. It's good. Um, it's a great opportunity for you to be able to pick up a limited edition t-shirt or sweat, uh, and they look great. Um, you can head on over to cat5.tv slash shirts. Remember, we don't have anything to do with the printing of that, and I love that. <laughs> Honestly, it's we, it's we all done. Th- it's it's all done through Teespring. I'm not doing any ironing. Yes, you've seen Neither my you've seen my curtains. <laughs> my craft. You know that that would not go green. very well. Yeah. So head on over to cat5.tv/shirts to get a professionally silk screened shirt with the Category Five TV logo. Or some of our other shows are on there as well. Do Ooh, it. It's check it out. it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can still win copies of what? Dead Effect 
2VR nice. by submitting to us at contest at category5.tv. Let us know who you are, how you're watching, where you're from. Okay. If only, if so. only I had a VR rig. So, here's the thing. What's the thing? I have Dead Effect 2 VR. Now you're just showing off. <laughs> and I played it. So all these weeks I've been like, you can win. I got my Vive. No. I did. What? And I waited. What? I know. I knew in the car. I was I'm like, I'm not telling Robbie. Oh my goodness. I got it. I remember last week I said on the air, I was like, it's a, it's a necessity. Well, then that rang true to me. It is indeed a necessity. It's a necessity. So you went home that night and you said to your husband, Dave, Dave, do you think that a virtual reality headset is a necessity? Yes. And how did he respond? Well, he didn't know. Guys? He did not know at first how amazing uh, it was. So oh, at okay. first, he was, was picturing just, Virtual Boy. Yeah, at first he, well, he, I think <laughs> oh what he was God, picturing, yes. what he was indeed picturing was like the ones where you put your, your cell phone in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, That's right, all I have. Right, yeah. and I'm not saying that it's bad. It's just not the best. But it is not the most super awesome thing you've ever oh experienced in your entire so, life. And I'm good at killing zombies. Who knew? <laughs> I am good at I it. I always said this about Sasha. I just said, she, I'll bet you anything, she would be really good at killing zombies. So, so you're going to get a zombie apocalypse. So Davey, all, Dave always plays these like first-person shooter games like Doom and stuff. And I'm like, meh, like whatever. Like Doom and stuff. Yeah. So He's I, a retro gamer. <laughs> Wow. So, so I never played them because I'm like I'm not a big shooter girl. Right. And then I am. Oh it turns out that it's virtual reality is better than real reality. It's so do you in real reality shoot people? No. Okay. no, no. So, let me just bring it back for a quick second to when you first put the headset on and everything else is completely blacked out and you're in like just the biggest, cleanest living room and you can... In VR? Yeah. No. And you can walk out onto this like beautiful patio. Like your home screen is an yeah. interactive home screen. So you've got things on the shelves. Oh. You can walk out onto this patio and there's birds overhead and butterflies and you can hear the music wow. and you can pick the fountain. This is just the home screen. Wow. Like, I spent an hour this morning because I knew I was going to have to talk about this. We only got it last night, right? Okay. So Dave set it up while I was got at work. Got it set up right away. He got oh, it nice. set up. He spent some time on it. And no doubt. And fell in love with it. And then this morning, he went to work. I went to work late. And I spent, like, who hangs out in the home screen? <laughs> I spent so it's long. It's just that cool. Though. Oh, my. And then I downloaded um, table tennis. Yeah. Yep. Which I'm bad at, but. <laughs> so how is the immersive experience? Is it is it really good? Like we did a feature. Henry Bailey Brown went to the VRTO yeah. uh, several months back, and we we we've got some features up on our website. Search for virtual reality on our website. Remember how excited he was when he came back? Yeah. Oh yeah. I get it now. Okay. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so nice. well, I, we they, we did Google Earth. Google Earth Street View. You can do with your headset on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Nice. It'll bring you to tears with its beauty. It's incredible. Wow. So yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see this. Yeah. And yeah. so, Dead Effect 2 VR. Back to the contest. You, you can, can win, win it. it. And I'll tell you, it's amazing. Uh, did you sleep? Oh, you did it today. I did so you it today. Haven't, you haven't seen whether or not it gives you oh, good dreams my or bad dreams, dreams are going to be Messed bonkers. up. They're going to be bonkers. <laughs> oh, boy. So good. I'm so happy that I waited to tell you. Awesome. <laughs> okay. 
I can't wait. And to I'm see just it. sitting here going, "This sucks." I just have a regular monitor. <laughs> <laughs> I just swipe on my phone. Uh, so like on the drive over, all the tapping orcs on my phone. So it's not a small purchase. So on the way over, I told Jeff how much it costs. Okay. Yeah. We'll and he was like, "You can buy a computer with that." I'm like, "You not can't use it with oh. a computer at that price." Oh. You. <laughs> So Sasha built a gaming rig, a computer, here on the show. Check out cat5.tv slash CPU2017. It was like the the tail end of 2017 that we built this thing, and we pre-planned. So you, community, you remember... We had to decide what video card are we going to do, what, what kind of, you know, what should we get in order to build this thing. And it was a very interactive feature with the community. Mm-hmm. We picked good because the, uh, the 1080 GTX card uh, with 8 gigs of onboard RAM and overclocked and mm-hmm. all the hookups for the VR headset, everything. It's got HDMI, Display Port, yes. whatever it is. So yeah. good. So now it's upgrade time. <laughs> it was already. a gift for Dave. It's upgrade time and already. Now it's mine. <laughs> nice. Um. <laughs> That's so, very cool. Yeah. Super thank you. Category 5 TV is now on Google Play Music. So if what? you if well if, if Google Play Music has has How launched their podcast this? stuff. Well, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> what did you it's tell new. me it's, for the it's, show. Hap- it's happening right now. Oh my goodness. All the surprises. I just today. thought I would tell you now. Well, thank you. This is real life. If you use Google Play Music, head on over to podcasts and you can do a quick search for category 5 technology tv or just category five and you'll find us there and incidentally there is a link directly to our our show if you go to category 5.tv slash subscribe you'll see all the different ways that you can subscribe and of course google play music is now there so exciting now last week on the show here on category 5 technology tv we talked about a lot i mean we were talking about delete facebook which we're going to circle back to in just a couple moments time but we're also talking about saturday's world backup day so i have to ask you as a follow-up question what did you do differently this week with regards to your backup? I put all of my pictures on Google Drive. Google Drive? Is it Google Drive? Yeah. Okay. That's the cloud, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now do you have a copy of them on your phone and on Google Drive? Now? Yes. Two places at once? Yes. Redundancy? Yes. Nice. So now if your phone gets dropped into a puddle of water... I'm good. You can log into Drive from your computer, from a new phone or whatever, and you can copy those files back. You've got that redundancy. But don't forget, if you do drop your phone into a pool of water, make sure you get a copy of those files onto your computer because once you've lost that phone, you now are back to single Just one. single point of failure. Right. Yeah. If you drop your phone in the water, you can also put it in a bag of rice. You, you know what? You could try that. I'm going to stick with backups. <laughs> I'm going to stick with backups. So I one-up Sasha. Oh, yes? I had, I had the Google what Drive. What did you do differently? I added Amazon Drive. Amazon so Drive. I've, so I've got the Google like Drive. Like S3? And the Amazon Drive. And I have an three external S's? hard drive. Nice. Wow. So I have three different backups. Very good. I have yep. an unsurmountable, is that the right word? I don't even insurmountable. know. Insurmountable. Insurmountable number of backups. You're like the, redundant the backup king, though. I run a TV show. I know. It is terabytes of data. <laughs> I've got to make sure there's redundancy because you know what? When blip.tv shut down, could you imagine if we just lost everything? Yeah, that would suck. Oh, boy. I was working hand-in-hand with Vimeo at that point, uploading our backups, mm-hmm. moving mm-hmm. things off of Amazon S3, local backups up to Vimeo. 
because I love redundancy as far as my files go. That's really, really important. Okay, I mentioned about delete Facebook. We started talking about it last week. Right. We showed you how to do it, and a lot of viewer feedback has come in. So before mm-hmm. we take a commercial break, let's jump into some of those comments that have come in. Bill Marshall says, I jumped on the delete Facebook bandwagon because I no longer have a real need for Facebook. What about following Category 5 TV? That's true. That's real. Yeah, that's for real, my brother. (laughs) Uh, It is mostly a time waster. There you go. It's true. Uh, At this point, since most all I see is inanities or ultra-negativity against what's going on in the world today, anti-social media, I don't need. Uh, Couple that with the fact that they cannot be trusted at all, and I'm sold giving away my info, making setting changes within their updates and tapping into all of my apps. Yeah, no thank you. By the way, I have also cut who I follow on Twitter by half, and I'm probably not done there either. Maybe I am antisocial. Or ultra-social and want to live in the real world instead of the... Maybe. Yeah. You mentioned that Facebook is an addiction and you, yes. you're constantly looking at your phone. And we can turn off the notifications. If, if it's the notifications that are driving us nuts, because what I hate is that it's constantly pop, 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 circle, yeah. circle, circle. People are talking and talking, and it's always popping up. So I just turn off notifications. And then the, the need to constantly pick up my phone when it buzzes in my pocket is gone. Right. So then when I am sitting down on Facebook, that is when I respond. That, so you know, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. I don't respond right away. That's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's how I roll. That's good. To avoid that. Right. To avoid the addiction and of things. Do you want to take Lee Myers? Yes, Lee Myers. I am staying just because I only... Staying use, on Facebook. Staying on Facebook. Just because I only use my account when I teach people to explain to them what it is. Mm. That is the only reason why I have the account. So I might check it once a month, if that. Okay, so the addiction thing so, is not a problem there. Yeah. We're using it to teach other people how to use Facebook, which is great. Which is fine. If you know your limits and can play within them, then do it. That's right. Jeff Green RS sent us a... Big long comment. I'll yes, let you tackle this one. Yeah, so speaking of Facebook, I have a few alternate Facebook accounts for gaming and groups, hobbies, etc. I do the same. Mm. Breaking uh, the terms of use. Yeah, one of my That's Facebook accounts I've had for many years and have never had a problem. I never had a real photo on it, and it was never attempted to block me or ask for credentials or authorization and so on. This is a second alternate Facebook account that I've uh, had nearly the same amount of time. And last year, it locked me out of my account asking if I was a real person and demanding Ah. I send a copy of photo ID for proof. I never did that, and the account is still blocked with a ton of precious information and data on it that I hope to somehow, someday, get without using photo ID. Hmm. Not that I really care about my ID info being out there. Just it seemed very fishy to me. Now, I have a third alternate Facebook account I made just after the last one was locked out. It just asked me about two or so months ago for photo recognition to show them I'm a real human as I don't have any of my real photos of me or anything like that related or uploaded to this Facebook account. Okay. So with it asking me for a photo of my face and only my face to not be locked out, I agreed and took it and everything has been fine since for that third account. Then within this last month, hearing all this news about Facebook makes me wonder... Were they trying to gather as much as they can before they, <laughs> before their gig is up? I had to share that. So far, I'm enjoying y'all's little podcast-ish, local access type of information, down-to-earth kind of show. 
Isn't that funny? That's exactly what, uh, that's our tagline. That's it. Thank you for watching Category 5 Technology TV, a uh, little podcast-ish local access type of information, but down-to-earth <laughs> show. It's true. Thank you for watching, and thank you for commenting as well. Um, definitely, um, you know, that's good to know that Facebook is kind of making sure that people are legit. Right. And that, you know, I'm not creating bot accounts. Yeah, but... Let's be clear. How many times have you had a fake account that's been a bot that's tried well, to add you as a friend? Well, All they have I, to do is upload oh, one sure. photo. So, yeah. okay. So, I just joined it, Steam. Yeah. yeah. Right? Um, and on Steam, I couldn't add friends until I had spent some money. Right? So, Facebook doesn't have that. <laughs> but I think you've been scammed. I have Steam and I've never had to spend a penny. I had to spend five American dollars. Wow! And then I could add friends. It was that because they needed to. Have I think your they needed to file? make sure I was not a bot. So okay. what you're saying is that you have just monetized friendship. That's the value that she put on my friendship, folks. I botched myself table tennis. <laughs> She's nice friends. Anyway, so that I mean that's something Facebook can't do because there's not really money that you give, right? So they can't really tell whether oh, or not. Yes. Like, you remember Farmville? <laughs> oh really? Okay. Nathan okay, Salapat. Okay. Nathan <laughs> Salapat sent us a message and says, Whoa, they make this so hard. But here's the link that you need. www.facebook.com slash help slash delete underscore account. You need that if you're there deleting you your account. Uh, Gigi Thomas. Too intrusive. Got rid of it finally. Whew. High five. Too intrusive. That that takes me back to the phone, popping up all the yep. time, yep. bugging me while I'm trying to work. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jeff, CircuitMan says uh, Yeah, so CircuitMan says you could ditch Messenger and use Signal. It's okay. available for Android and I.O. and the desktop. But now do we have to get our friends to also switch to Signal? That's yeah, and, yeah, you probably And if would. that's the case, should we just get them on Discord or pop them onto IRC or oh, I love mm-hmm. Discord. XMPP would be great. I loved that Facebook used to have that. Right. So CircuitMan continues and says it's also on Linux. That's there cool. There you go. I'm sold. I'm a firm believer in deleting Facebook, Twitter, etc. Companies need to stop collecting data on us. I'm on YouTube and LinkedIn. That's it. And I'm reviewing whether or not I need those. Mm-hmm. I'm not leaving Facebook because I uh, have never had an account just like Twitter, Reddit, etc. Okay, so why does Facebook matter to us and Twitter matter to us? Because it helps us to be able to engage our audience. Right. Right. So from my perspective, I'm looking at it from the perspective of a broadcaster. And this is one way that we communicate and connect with our audience. This is like our Facebook page. We're broadcasting live right now as I speak on our Facebook page. Well, Twitter doesn't have that. Right. So Facebook does. And those of you who are watching on Facebook right now live, hey, (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Could you imagine if we had to do the show in 144 characters? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Show's over, folks. Detroit Retro Gamer Doug 313 says, enjoyed your dynamics and the discussion. Peace, y'all. That was to you and I. That's Thank you right. very much. Um, always nice to just get a simple little word of praise like that because, you know, it helps us to know, hey, you know, people like this. Mm-hmm. I like the vibe. That. I like the vibe of these comments because people are throwing in yeah. y'alls and stuff, and they're really like <laughs> down to earth. Are using <laughs> using our our catchphrase. Exactly, yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> Jeff, um, David, Gregory, Kerr. Time to delete your Facebook account. Be done with it. Just like that. Mic drop. 
time. Time's we should have left that one to last, but there is one more. Sasha from Zanman26. About a few years ago, I started using a Facebook account. Be- believe it was for job searching. Okay. Then went about not using it and just having the account. Then a prominent Linux YouTuber did a video about actually deleting his Facebook account at the end of last year. And about a month after that, I deleted my account as well. However, if someone feels they have an addiction to Facebook, I would strongly suggest deleting the account. If you have persons that you only contact contact through this platform, I would make sure Mm. that I have their mobile phone number and email address before going through with the deletion of the account. That's it. And I did that. Okay. Right. See, and I, that affects me because like, I don't, I don't know your phone number. I don't know your phone number. You've never asked. I've never asked. But you and I communicate via email. Yeah, we can do that. Sure. Um, but there are a lot of folks that I communicate with. Um, New Every Day, the team from New Every Day. We're working together every single week to bring you a show every Friday morning. And we mm-hmm. never communicate by phone or email or anything. Right. It's just easy to open up Facebook Messenger. And that's how we do it. But if you had decided that you didn't want to. Then I suppose I would go for an alternative. Exactly. I would probably lean toward Discord. Yes. See, I, I love Discord. Mm. I absolutely do. I mean, it would be my go-to. If you were looking for just yeah. chat. Yes, that's something that's exactly. cross-platform. If, for sure. if I myself had, like, good boundaries about Facebook, if, it didn't, if I didn't choose my phone versus, you know, a good conversation sometimes, like mm-hmm. I zone right into it. Sure. Then maybe I would keep my Facebook. But and that's wise of you. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and if that's you, then, you know, make that decision and just say, you know, what, what is most important? The thing that drives me nuts and really troubles my, my spirit is when I see parents that do not watch their kids on the park. That don't, you know, then the kids are like, dad, watch me, dad, watch me. And they're doing some trick on the monkey bars. And the dad is like this. There, yeah. And it's like, that is heartbreaking. There are droves of cell phone zombies out there. Mm-hmm. Droves of them. People don't look up anymore. They're just all here in, in this spot. Look up, folks. Look yeah. up. Your kids are more important it's than like that. Make- Wally. Never seen it. You haven't Never seen, the- seen it. Adventures. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it. And but on that Effectively, note. It's, it's like, it's, that's Wally. It's I've got a Raspberry Pi 2, a Raspberry Pi 3, and a Raspberry Pi 3 B+. We're going to be comparing them right after this. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV, Episode 550. Hope you're having a great week. I know we are. Oh, awesome. And this is the highlight. I know. This is it, folks. Last week, we unboxed a Raspberry Pi 3 Model B+. So cool. They took the Raspberry Pi 3, jammed a little bit of stuff in there, and made it better and gooder. 
Yes, that's exactly that's what the tagline. It's gooder. Tonight we're going to see how much gooder it is than the Raspberry Pi 3. And also, I've got a Raspberry Pi 2 here, which some would say, well, that's not fair. I mean, this is a little 900 megahertz, little, you know, early model from 2015. But we really wanted to see the stark contrast right. and see in three years how far has Raspberry Pi actually come. Right. That's what we want to see. So, I have a Raspberry Pi 2. A Raspberry Pi 3, which I have in the Aladuino case. Those of you who are interested in it, this is what we put our NEMS servers in. Uh, if you go to nemslinux.com, that's what it looks like. And then I've got a Raspberry Pi 3 Model B+, which I don't think will stand up. There it is. There it is. So what I'm going to do with these three is we're going to bring them up on the screen and we're going to do four different tests. First of all, we're going to start with the boot process. How fast does it boot up? Okay. Then we're going to look at transferring a one gigabyte file you're going to see which is faster i've got a usb flash uh, usb external hard drive i'm going to transfer the files to we're going to load up an image in the gimp and see which one is going to be faster and we're going to use iperf to check how fast the networking is mm -hmm. okay so we're going to jump right into it first of all let's boot it up here is the raspberry pi 2 3 and 3b plus and this is the boot process, folks. So what we have here is the exact same image, the exact same card. Everything is the same. And I pre-recorded it so that there are no variables. So they all seem about on par here. Oh, B plus came up first. Oh, and what? The three beat it. The... Raspberry Pi 2 and Raspberry Pi 3 Model B Plus actually came up about the same time. And the 3 Model B, so this is the earlier edition of the, the Raspberry Pi 3, beat them all. Wow. So that's surprising. That's great. What we're doing here, folks, is answering the question because so many people are saying, you know, should I, I've got a Raspberry Pi 3, mm -hmm. should I go out and buy a Raspberry Pi 3 B Plus? Is it really going to be noticeable? Right. And we have to ask ourselves, well, what are we using it for? That's what it boils down to. So tonight, we're just looking at some basic stuff that everyone does. Everybody boots the thing up. And for some reason, that's a benchmark of speed. And see, for me, I wouldn't care either way. Those it's running all, all the time. Close. Yeah. And they're running up. It's connected to my TV. It's running 24-7. Right. I don't care about the boot time. But I do care if I'm going to copy files from my Raspberry Pi mm -hmm. to an external hard drive. Because it saves me having to pull the SD card and try to figure out how to mount things and move things around. So I'm going to use an external hard drive. So again, in order to keep this exactly one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one and everything is fair and everything is identical... Tonight, what I've done is I've pre-recorded the exact same process on all three devices. That gives us a very exact one-to-one -one comparison. Yeah. And in fact, I've pulled the SD card and booted up each one from the same SD card. So even the card, even the distro is exactly the same. Nothing has changed. Just the SBC has changed. Very cool. So I've plugged in an external USB 3.0 drive, and it's a two terabyte drive. It is um, a formatted NTFS, and I've installed NTFS 3G, and I've set it so that I have write access by ch modding uh, the folder as uh, 777, and I've set the ownership of the folder, the mount point, to pi. So I've got the ability to write to that. So let's see what it takes to copy a one 
gigabyte file. So I have a file that I've created using dev slash zero, which is just a random file generator using DD, and I've created a one gig file. So let's check out with this file on my desktop, which one is going to be faster. Drag and drop, let it go. Surprisingly, they all started at the same time. I kind of expect, I expect the, the latency to be a little higher with the Pi 2. I'm starting to get the sense that the 3B Plus is moving along quite a bit faster. Still seems fairly close to the B. It though. really does. But they're definitely motoring ahead of the Model 2. Definitely. The, the Pi 2 is it's the turtle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay, so this is one gigabyte that we're transferring. Now, keep in mind, <clears throat> I mentioned that this is a USB 3.0 uh, external hard drive. It's a spinning hard drive. The Raspberry Pi 3, 3B+, and Pi 2 only have USB 2.0, so it's not going to give us the full speed. Oh, it looks like the, the 3B... The B beat it just yeah. by a fraction, eh? Yeah, it was about uh, second, second and a half. Oh. What? Wow, and, and hmm. the Model 2 is the just Pi two. Pi the two Pi is just 2. over halfway. Oh, boy. Wow. Well, this is a clear, this is clear that the Pi 3 Model B and B Plus are the clear winner here oh, with the copy operation. I'm going to let this finish for you so that you can see in real time how much longer it is taking on the Raspberry Pi 2. Again, nothing else has changed. The file is exactly the same. The drives are exactly the same. And we're copying this to a locally connected USB drive connected directly to the Pi 2. Wow, it's like it's sluggish. Time. So if you imagine, if you work with files or you're moving files to a Plex Pi or something like that, yeah, the, the, the uh, Pi 3, either, either option is going to be significantly mm -hmm. faster for your data copy from USB. Stick around. We're gonna. Okay, so it's done. It took that long, but it's done. Okay, it's done. But keep in mind, we're going to be looking at the networking as well. But before we get into that, let's open the same image. Okay. On each of these devices using the GIMP. So I've downloaded this from Pexels, and I'm just going to right-click and click GNU Image Manipulation Program, and here we go. Came up a little faster on the B plus. Yeah. The Pi 2, we would expect to be in last place. It's from 2015. Okay, the B plus is done. Wow, B okay. came up behind it. So this is something that takes a little more oomph, a little more processor power to get that image up. And the <laughs> Pi 2 is finally up. So wow. definitely the B plus is a clear winner there. Yes. And this gives us a little bit of a look into, you know, I'm going to be using it to edit photos. And mm -hmm. if it is going to open the GIMP that much quicker, it may be that it's going to operate faster for us as well. Keep in mind that the Pi 2, the Pi 3, and the 3B Plus all have just one gigabyte of memory. Which is crazy. Yeah. I would have loved to see the Pi model B plus, the Pi 3 B plus have more, but of course we're limited by the CPU. The that's CPU correct. cannot allow any higher RAM, and that's where I'm thinking maybe the Pi 4 is going to have two gigs or maybe four that gigs if you're lucky. All right. Our final test here <clears throat> is to see the actual speed of the network interfaces, and we're going to do this using um, iPerf, which is a Linux tool that allows us to check 
the speed of data transmission and reception. So I've set up a gigabit server <clears throat> with iperf server, and we're going to run that on each of these three devices. So let's see. Here we go. It's not going to take long, folks, but it's going to tell us accurately how fast each one is. So the Pi 2 up at the top left, let's see what it tells us. Okay, they're all done at the same time, so it took about the same time. So the Pi 2 is 94.2 megabits per second. Okay. For a 10 over 100, that is fantastic. You're looking 94% mm -hmm. of the promised speed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Pi 3 Model B, so this is the earlier edition of the Pi 3, is exactly the same. Lower left there, 94.2 megabits per second. Where things get really exciting is if you look at the Pi 3B+, your, your bandwidth speed is 321 megabits per wow. second. So this is where we look at that and we say, wow, it's significantly better than anything else as far as the Raspberry Pis go. Right. But it's still disappointing. In that, it's gigabit Ethernet. They right. promote it as, hey, the Raspberry mm. Pi 3 Model B Plus has gigabit Ethernet. No, it doesn't. Right. Come on. Well, why is that? It's because the Raspberry Pi 3 Model B Plus, the network interface controller runs off of the USB 2 right. chipset. And that means that it's limited to 322 megabits a second. I'm getting 321. Nowhere near. So we're looking at a difference of 94% of the promise speed versus only 32% of the promise speed on the B Plus. Right. But still significantly faster. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's going to make a difference on our PlexPi server. Absolutely. Because we're streaming media video to our devices through the network, it's going to make a huge difference for you if that's what you want to do. But if you're connecting and you're using it as a computer, then the network speed is probably not going to make much of a difference to you unless you're using a local NAS or something to store your files. Then it will make a difference. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, I'm not seeing a huge amount of difference in speed between the Model B and the Model B Plus of the Pi 3. Right. That said, keep in mind, as they operate, as you're doing more with them, they're going to throttle. And the Raspberry Pi 3 is 1.2 gigahertz at its high end, and it can throttle down to 900 megahertz. Well, the Raspberry Pi 3 Model B Plus starts off at 1.4 gigahertz, and <clears throat> it will throttle down to 1.2. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're going to always have... Uh, if if you get into that, like you're using it and and building up some heat, the three B plus is going to be significantly faster right. for you. So just a quick comparison for you, and when we come back, we're going to be looking at a really cool little piece of kit that you can add to your soldering kit, and uh, we've got a great bunch of stuff, so much stuff on our list of things to have <laughs> <I know>. tonight. <laughs> so stick lot. around. We'll be right back. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners, and thank you for watching.
Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. We're having a load of fun tonight talking about VR during the break there. Everything um, that we've got going on. Now, we've looked at the Raspberry Pi 3, and part of why I love the Raspberry Pi computers, the microcomputers, is because I love making. I love tinkering. I love mm-hmm. messing around and creating little circuits and doing things. I've been working on this circuit where I've been doing micro-circuitry for the first time ever, and it's okay. been... Can you see that? Yes. Can you see that? Can you see that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really, so really. What t- are you working on? So I'm building an LED strip that's going to dance to music. Oh, okay. So it, it, it's a fun little project, but they are one millimeter resistors. Right. The resistors just- are super, super tiny, and I'm soldering these with my helping hands. So I've got my helping hands, it's got a nice little light on it, and it's got some magnification, but not a huge amount. So I'm actually soldering underneath of this, working like this. I've got it in the helping hands, and I'm using the tip of my soldering iron, and it's really tough. Ah. It's really tough. But then along comes this little guy over here, which is a sub-$100 magnifying screen, basically. Okay. But this has from one to 600 times optical zoom. 600 times. 600 times, okay? So it comes with this base. I'll show you this right over here. You can see the base, and I can move this up and down to get different focus. And then I've got a focus knob on the front here. So a couple things that I love about this. First of all, obviously, this is, I think, going to make things a lot easier for me. I'm going to bring it up on the screen for you in just a moment so that you can see whether you agree. But it also records, and that's how I'm going to be able to do that. It, it takes records. it takes a micro SD card, and you can record at 1080p. So if you want to do a demonstration, or if you want to do a vlog of your soldering, or right. I'm using it for soldering. You can use this to look at little critters with the kids, whatever you can do with a microscope. Right. right? But this is a, a, a video microscope, if you will. So it's available for under $100 at cat5.tv slash microscope. And let's, let's actually fire it up so that you can see what it looks like. So I just, I'm going to turn it on. And it does get about six hours of battery life on a single charge. It comes with oh, a lithium okay. battery. It comes with the charger. And you can just plug it in, charge it, and it'll run for six hours, apparently, okay. on a single charge. So I'm going to fire it up. I'm going to hit record here. All right. And I'm recording just like that. So now look at this, guys. Wow. Okay. Now I'm completely out of focus. Yes, Let's, you are. I move up. Look at the hairs on my finger. Okay, I'm going to adjust the focus there. Wow. Ah! <laughs> Isn't that nuts? <laughs> and I'm recording this. This is... I can can grow hair. Look at that. Okay. So now I can get my little soldering gig in here that I've been working on. And I'm going to be able to see, and why am I showing you this, how bad my soldering job has been with the helping hands. Let's get it in there. Oh, my goodness. All right. So now it starts to come clear. So you can see how difficult this would have been for me without this kind of magnification. So now, oh, and I've got some flux there. I got to get this all cleaned up now that I can. Look at those. So that's what I did. So now I can put that in just like that. And then I've got my soldering tools and I can get in there and fix it up or do what I need to do to do some really microscopic soldering. 
That's what I wanted this for. But for under a hundred bucks, you could use it. I would find things to like. Sure. I want to get slides. I want to get the kids involved. Yeah. I want to show them. Uh, this is what your blood looks like. This Stuff is what like it that. looks like. <laughs> Don't worry. It's only going to hurt for a minute, kids. Now, what <laughs> magnification do you have on right now? Well, it's, it's impossible for me to know the exact magnification, Jeff, because it's based on height. Okay. Right? So, there's so that's not like less magnification. Screen. No. Okay. So that's less magnification up there. So if I focus in. Right. Okay. So now if I, if I move down. <laughs> roll it down. I can get right in there and then focus it. See if I can focus that close. Not quite. So let's bring it up just a bit. Lock it. Still a little too far down. Oh, there, there we, go. we go. So that would be like the high end. Well. <laughs> wow. Okay. So let, look at that. And it looks like I can get in a little closer. Yep. There you go. There we go. That is unreal. That's a terrible soldering joint right there. <laughs> so there's the resistor that I've been soldering on. And you look at that blob of solder and think, okay, well, that is, that's microscopic by the human eye. Right. Those are only one millimeter. That's amazing. And that is a terrible soldering job, Robbie. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. But there you have it, folks. That's, uh, that is available at cat5.tv slash microscope. It's going to take you to our shop, and then you can choose where you want to buy it from. We carry it on Amazon and everywhere else. It works fantastically well. I'm impressed. It's going to make my solder all the better, and I'm looking forward to you know getting some critters and getting the kids to see, hey, what does a, a, a fly look like? Let's get, right. let's get in there, put it in a little Tupperware container, and get a look from above yeah. and see what things look like. Your soldering can't get I, I worse. Like zero conceivable <laughs> purpose you. for that at this moment in time, but I'm thinking I will find things for that. Oh, yes. Like, oh. Look at my finger hairs, folks. <laughs> How cool. All right, so Sasha, we have to jump over to the newsroom. Uh, all right. And tonight things are a little different because we don't have the capability to move the camera around, and that's b because of various technical blips before the show. Um, but hey, you can. You we can, still have a show, it's just I'm sharing now. So I'm thinking about how cool this is and all the things that I've, even the stuff I didn't mention, like the ability to dim and turn up the light and everything right. else. And so it comes with the stand. Yes. Yes, it does. It's super cool. For the record, I'm not going to be paying attention to news. I'm going to be thinking about that thing. Yeah. Um, that and VR. Yes. Oh, VR. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Tash, take her away. Oh, you're waiting for me. I am waiting for I you. I understand. You're ready. I am totally ready. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.TV newsroom. The FCC has approved SpaceX's plan to launch nearly 4,500 broadband satellites. Fed up with face Facebook data slurping, Firefox has a cunning plan. The patches Microsoft released in, for Meltdown in Windows 7 actually made the operating system less secure. And last year's Pokemon Go Fest attendees got their tickets refunded, but that was not enough. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Weston. Yaman. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. yeah, I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? 
Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. This is the Category5.tv Newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. The FCC has approved SpaceX's plan to launch nearly 4,500 broadband satellites. SpaceX has received U.S. approval to launch 4,425 low-Earth orbit satellites, a key milestone in its plan to offer broadband with high speeds and low latency around the world. The Federal Communications Commission issued an order approving SpaceX's application with some conditions. SpaceX intends to start launching operational satellites as early as 2019 with the goal of reaching the full capacity of 4,425 satellites in 2024. The FCC approval requires SpaceX to launch 50% of the satellites by March 2024 and all of them by March 2027. SpaceX's network, known as Starlink, will need separate approval from the International Telecommunication Unit. Union. The FCC approval is contingent upon SpaceX receiving this. Like other operators, SpaceX will have to comply with FCC spectrum sharing requirements. Outside the U.S., coexistence between SpaceX operations and other company systems are governed only by the ITU radio regulations as well as the regulations of the country where the Earth station is located, according to the FCC. SpaceX and several other companies are planning satellite broadband networks with much higher speeds and much lower latencies than existing satellite internet services. SpaceX has said that it will offer speeds of up to a gigabit per second with latencies between 25 milliseconds and 35 milliseconds. Whoa! Yeah, those latencies would make SpaceX's service comparable to cable and fiber, while existing satellite broadband services have latencies of 600 milliseconds or more. SpaceX states that once fully deployed, the SpaceX system will provide full-time coverage to virtually the entire planet. SpaceX's application drew opposition from other satellite operators who raised concerns about interference with other systems and debris as well. The FCC dismissed some of the complaints. For example, OneWeb wanted unreasonably large buffer zones between its own satellites and SpaceX's. The FCC says that if operators fail to agree on a coordination, a coordination plan in the future, the Commission may intervene as appropriate. Okay. This so. Is a cool story. That's yeah. nuts. I don't even know how this is possible. How can they get 25 millisecond um, latency with satellites because the speed of light to a satellite and back to earth would not even wouldn't it be longer than it, that? I have no, I guess not it, it, maybe it's optical maybe it's lasers well think but i mean <laughs> we're talking about having all the satellites up there by 2024 at the very latest 2027 how much has technology advanced 
in the last six yeah. years. Well, that's how it goes, my friend. Ex- and how much do you think it's going to advance even that much further yeah. in six to nine years? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- it's very possible you're going to see technologies on those satellites that we don't currently have right now. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You but think that's what it is? They know something we don't know. It's possible. But what I think is cool about this is the potential for internet around the world. Sure. Yeah. The entirety of the planet. Like, that's mind-boggling. Forget about third world nations. Think about our studio. I, that's exactly what I, I was actually <laughs> thinking about the studio when, when you I read think the story. About, I'm like, I mean, yeah, yeah, there's the obvious, like, third world nations and disaster zones and things. But there are still places in Canada that don't have internet. This place. What? I know. So, but he, here's the interesting thing. Think about, because this is satellite, and I, I used to install satellite internet okay um mm-hmm. you have to have your dish sure so right. you're gonna have to have spacex trained dish technicians around the globe talk about mm-hmm. international job security mm-hmm. like you get in as a dish tech at spacex you're good for life you can go anywhere in the world and with the advancements we have uh, i mean you've, you've got those earbuds for other uh, languages mm-hmm. you could literally install around the world maybe they could make those satellite dishes solar panels and it could power itself and they could create See? base stations that get the connection and then distribute it over traditional I love wi-fi this. This or is... like network cable it's totally a cool story sure but the lots thing of potential. With satellite is weather impacts it that's as soon as you get some bad weather, it interferes with the signal, you're done. So it'll be very interesting to see if they found some way to cut through weather. This is it, though, that I'm thinking 25 millisecond latency, Jeff. Right. That's impossible with radio satellite. They must be using optical technology. I don't know Or this. exaggeration. Or, no, they, <laughs> that, if they're looking for, right. like, regulatory approval, well, they, They've been, they, have, they, got, they have to have it. the tech. Yeah. Right. But would, would something else be able to get through, or some frequency be able to get through at a faster bit rate and lower latency? Yeah. Who knows? Or how low orbit are these satellites? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also known as Ooh. drones. <laughs> yes. And that's the other thing is that there are companies that are working on like drone-based operations and maybe they'll work as intermediaries yeah. between the satellite network and, and drones oh, in the sky. Would, that would cut down the time. That it, that's it true. It might. Or if they pu- start putting uh, proxies in space. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a movie. Mm-hmm. Proxies mm-hmm. in, space. in space. From a security standpoint, though, all it takes is one breach of their security system. If you have internet f- around the globe that everybody's on the same system, you breach that once and you have access to everybody's information, like they're going to have to have some wild security. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The internet so. as a whole, though, just the very nature of it is that it is a, um, a, a distributed network. Yes. So it depends on so many hops and so many interconnections. But you're right. As soon as it's all coming from one central service right. and one central service provider. So many be. cool things. I, I can't wait to watch this develop over the next mm-hmm. couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, speaking of security, fed up <laughs> with Facebook data slurping, Firefox has a cunning plan. 
Sensing an opportunity in Facebook's squandering of public trust through its previously unrestrained giveaway of users' data, Mo- Mozilla on Tuesday unveiled a defense against the social ad biz. And what was that defense? An add-on for Firefox called Facebook Container. The Facebook add-on, as its name suggests, works to contain Facebook's tracking attempts in an effort to provide a refuge from the internet advertising panacop. Pan- <laughs> <laughs> I throw words in there. Panopticon. Panopticon. <laughs> Among similar lines, Mozilla last stuff. <laughs> I know. Right? I even Googled how to say that earlier. Okay. Along similar lines, Mozilla last week said that it would stop advertising on Facebook in an effort to encourage CEO Mark Zuckerberg to improve Facebook privacy settings. It also said it plans to implement a basic ad filter in Firefox later this year. Mozilla began developing containers for Firefox in 2016 and started deploying them last year. The technology provides a way to create context tabs in which browser-based data can be sandboxed. Facebook Container implements a container specifically for Facebook to restrain its informational reach. Facebook tries to track interactions on third-party websites that have implemented Facebook technology such as the like button or the Facebook login. The add-on keeps Facebook in a separate container to prevent it from following your activity on other websites. While Facebook container may help a little, it does have its limitations. For example, Facebook ads employ links that pass tracking IDs outside of the Facebook container, making it possible for third-party ad firms to associate Facebook Facebook authenticated profiles with an external profile. Ah, so, we've had this discussion where, yes. you know, they say that they're collecting data anonymously, but they're doing so in such a way that they could make those connections. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And connect the dots yes. and say, oh, that's actually Jeff Weston. But they're collecting it anonymously. Oh, yeah. But the data, it's, it's traced. It can be traced. Yeah. What does yeah. sandboxing data mean? Uh, well, kind of like what it sounds like when you when you sandbox something, you're creating a, a you're putting it in a box, mm-hmm. and it's it's a, the the word sandboxing is traditionally used by developers. Mm-hmm. We sandbox applications so that as we're building them, uh, as we're modifying them, we're not affecting those who are publicly using it. So if oh, I wanted okay. to sandbox my application, I've created a copy of it that I'm working on in the back end, and it's the same application, mm-hmm. but then I can go live or just scrub the sand like feng shui or whatever and and just get rid of the changes so in this case uh, the sandbox is taking facebook putting it in its own container as the word is putting it in a sandbox so that it is completely separate from everything else so that it can't communicate outside of its own sandbox right and then if you want that information to be transferred back traditionally a sandbox can be transferred back in this case you would just close it and it's gone um, kind of like, I guess, what you would expect from private browsing, mm-hmm. for example, where you're in a sandbox browser, mm-hmm. for example. So as soon as you close it, gone. everything's gone. Right. Good mm-hmm. job. I, I can't help but think, you know, great effort, but is it really going to make a difference? I mean, Facebook is such a large conglomerate for collecting this data. Sure. I'm sure that somebody somewhere is going to go, uh, here's a quick workaround. And then it's useless. I don't know. I, the thing is, is that I, I think and I hope that this stuff happening is going to make Zuckerberg and Facebook say, 
maybe we need to take a different approach. Maybe exactly. we need to do something a little different. Dial people, it back a little. People have been trying this since the inception of Facebook. I mean, when Facebook first came out, I remember people were saying, well, hold on, what do you mean I, I don't have to give you permission to access everything? That's the way it was. Hey, you're using it for free, my friend. Right, but I mean, up until the point of Facebook, everything was, your data's private, we won't share anything unless you give us explicit permission. And Facebook goes, uh, let's turn that around. We're gonna share everything unless you tell us not to. Okay. Right. And so Facebook has changed the way that everything has worked. And that's what they've always done is broke the mold and said, we're going to do it our way. So but has, I don't see this is going to make a difference. Has the world changed and to the point where now we are so technologically connected that the world has changed? Mm-hmm. You, you, we, can, we can blame Facebook. We can say it's a Facebook problem. But how many people are running Windows 10? Right. But that's but I mean, just the mindset in society has accepted this kind of information. Sure. They don't like Again, it. Again, how many people installed Windows 10? Ooh, right. it's free. Right. No, it's not. No. But I mean, if you even if you look at Facebook trends, right now the biggest growing trend is 50 plus for Facebook users. Demographic-wise. The demographics. It's it's the older generation that are going, they don't, they haven't figured out how to delete their account yet. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But it, you know, <laughs> Facebook has it's just like you look at say Coca-Cola that owns so many food mm-hmm. uh, companies. Yeah. Facebook has got their fingers and tentacles Absolutely. into so many other things. Like you're not going to be able to get away from it. And I, I realize this sounds almost defeatist in a mentality, but there's so many other ways that they're going to collect this information. One add-on for a browser is it really going to make that difference? I hope it does. Mm-hmm. But I have to go, eh, we'll see. I can't see the Zuckerbergs awake at night going, oh my goodness, Mozilla, like you've just sure. ruined my business plans. Not happening. Yeah, Not I, I, happening. Don't, I don't see it. Yeah, I hear you. So good effort, though. <laughs> good. <laughs> good effort on you there, Mozilla. It's a good try. Yeah, I guess oh, you good. deleted your Facebook account. That's a good try. <laughs> Valiant effort. You have done nothing. <laughs> you have achieved nothing. Uh, wow. Oh, no, Jeff, I just, I'm so happy you're here. I just crush hopes and dreams. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. The patches Microsoft released for Meltdown in Windows 7 actually made the operating system less secure. You'll want to install the March update right away if you can avoid broken networking. Microsoft's January and February security fixes for Intel's Meltdown processor vulnerability opened up an even worse security hole on Windows 7 PCs and Server 2008 R2 boxes. Microsoft's early Meltdown fixes for 64-bit Windows 7 and Server 2008 R2 left a crucial kernel memory table readable and writable for normal user processes. This, in turn, means that any malware on those vulnerable machines or any logged-in user can manipulate the operating system's memory map, gain administrator-level privileges, and extract and modify any information in RAM. The problem boils down to a single bit accidentally set by the kernel in a CPU page table entry. This bit enabled read-write user mode access to the top-level page table itself. On Windows 7 and Server 2008, that PML4 table is at a fixed address, so it can always be found and modified by exploit code. With that key permission bit flipped from supervisor only to any user, the table allowed all processes to modify 
by the table and thus pull up and write to memory addresses that they are not supposed to reach. Windows 8 and 10 are not affected. The March 13 Patch Tuesday updates contain a fix that addresses this permission issue and a subsequent emergency patch from Microsoft should close up the issue. In short, patch your Windows 7 and Server 2008 R2 machines with the latest security updates to protect against this OS flaw. Otherwise, otherwise, any processes or users can tamper with and steal data from physical RAM and give themselves admin level control. Fingers crossed your system isn't among those that will suffer networking woes caused by the March security patches. Microsoft security updates this morning, this month broke static IP addresses and V Nick settings on select installations, knocking unlucky virtual machines, servers, and clients offline. Whoops. Yeah. So, so we've got a patch that has made things worse, which mm-hmm. we've patched, and then that patch didn't fix the, the patch, and then so we've released another patch, and you need to patch this patch with that patch. Uh, that's do, Microsoft update for you. Do they do it on purpose? Do they test these things? Oh, sure. Do they, they do test these? How do you not know? That's a great question because I feel like when you're a company like Microsoft that has been doing this for so long, your ability to test should come first before you release something that's broken. I right. think. To be fair, it would be incredibly difficult for any company of any size to test on every scenario. Mm-hmm. So just to be fair, testing would be very, very difficult. But it's an unfortunate case of we updated, we patched, we patched, we patched the patch, we patched the patch, the patch, and it's a mess. And so if you never update, you're fine? No. <laughs> no, quite, no, I know quite that. the contrary. Um, yeah, that's, it's scary that you really, when you hit, you know, I don't even know if you choose to update <laughs> on Microsoft. I think it just doesn't. Let's, let's just say you've got to update. And when you think you're done, you're not done. You're not done. No. And then Things you think broken. you're done and you're not done. You think you're done and you're not done. And that's when you go to Linux. Exactly. It works. All right. <laughs> Last year's Pokemon Go Fest was a disaster for the game's developers, Niantic. The company has now settled a class action suit that was filed as a result for more than $1.6 million. The event was plagued with problems from the outset, with the game crashing frequently and leaving most players unable to use the app. In the wake of the underwhelming festivities, Niantic issued full refunds to the fest's attendees, $100 worth of in-game pokey coins, and it issued an apology with a spokesperson saying the staff were horrified by the situation. Their efforts to smooth things over proved to be insufficient, with the affected parties demanding that their travel costs be reimbursed too. A lawsuit seeking expenses was put together in July last year. Now Niantic is settling the lawsuit with a $1,575,000 payout to cover the cost of travel accommodation, car rental, and other expenses incurred by a large chunk of the 20,000 attendees. According to documents from a Chicago court pertaining to the suit, there are a few caveats. Claimants will have to have checked in through the, into the event through the app and will need receipts for expenses amounting to more than $107. Any money left over after the settlement will be donated to charity. Speaking of companies that should really better test their software. <laughs> Oops. I didn't think people playing Pokemon Go and going to a Poke thing would also have 
car expenses. <laughs> people Absolutely. were hooked on this thing when it first yeah. came out. Well, people died when it came out. Oh, <laughs> oh, just not worth it, folks. No. So, wow. I mean, obviously you're going to travel for these kind of events, but with, I mean, the story is about how the app was crashing and people couldn't use it. Sure. But then you had to have logged in in order to get access to the money. Oh, that's smart. That's a smart little. Ooh, let's hope you were able loophole. to get there. Like that Whoa. right there sounds like we'll give you the cash, but we know you couldn't get in, and you need to get in to get the cash. So sorry. I don't know because I'm sure that they would have been able to check in at some point, even Maybe. though the apps are crashing and crashing and crashing. You must have been able to get. Maybe. I hope. No, I hope. Otherwise, that is just a server issue. Like, do, why? Well, do you, you think about you know? Oh, well, let's have a uh, party for this new software. Uh, Maybe twenty thousand people showed up. We're not expecting that. That happened at so, the Toronto Mac and Cheese Festival. People just show up in droves, and they would and run out of mac things. and cheese. Right? They did. It was a travesty. But here's the thing: <laughs> guaranteed, you've got more than twenty thousand people playing globally. Right, but they're not centralized on one node in one location, all in one place, but, connecting to the same tower. But okay, but that's not a that's not a Niantic issue. If, if that's cell phone It is issue. if you promise that this is going to be a wicked party for 20,000 people and it wasn't. Oh. I, I, get, I don't know. Maybe I'm just having a hard time wrapping my head around it. But I mean, if, if, tw- if they said, hey, we're going to do an online pokey gathering, wherever you are, we're going to deposit you know, coins in your area. That would have been better. You'd have more than 20,000 people playing. But it would be distributed over a larger you're area. you're still checking into the server. So why is it that because they were physically close that it caused it to crash? Geolocation. Oh. Geo-coordinated server allocation of CDN assets. That's just a guess. So you take... Did that even make sense? Absolutely it did. Okay. Content distribution Whoosh. networks. CDN, yeah. content distribution networks. Oh, so okay, gotcha. when you yeah, go yeah. to our website, category5.tv, it finds a server that's near you and gives you a copy of the website from that server so that it's nice and quick for you. Right. Now, when we do a broadcast every Wednesday live, we're sending this out to a central server and then that server sends it out to our other servers and then it goes out to the viewers. So right. when we get hit with thousands of views simultaneously, they're not all coming to us. They're coming to our end endpoints. Right. Okay. So now flip that and say, hey, everybody, let's all get together in Barrie, Ontario during a live broadcast. Here's our Wi-Fi access. Connect in and let's watch the show. And now all those thousands of people that normally are distributed over all these different nodes are in one spot connecting to one central server and that can't handle it. So infrastructure-wise, it needs to be distributed if you centralize that many people without being ready for it. Right. You're in big trouble. They should have checked out the Mac and Cheese Festival in Toronto and they would have (laughs) known. Now, how many lawyers do you think went through school saying... You know, I really want to be part of a lawsuit where people couldn't catch a Pokemon. For $1.7 million? I bet you those lawyers are probably getting a cut of like 30%. It's a drop (laughs) in the bucket, though, for Niantic. Pokemon Go, Go, in its first three months of being a thing, made over $600 million. Yeah. So, so you think about that. Now, they pay 19% of that to royalties to Nintendo, right. and they are still filthy, stinking rich. And taking $1.6, $1.7 million of that is like... Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but at least it's appeasing the masses. 
That's true. <laughs> Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category 5.TV newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category 5.TV newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. Thank you, Sasha. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Jeff Weston. It has been a blast having you here with us again this week. I hope that you'll join us at the same time, at the same place, again next week. Looking forward to seeing you then. Take care. Say same cat time, same cat chat. We can. Yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? We can use that. Yeah. Bye, everyone. <laughs>